Uh, as uh, the video announcement said, um, there's an event coming up called Kalahar Retreat, um, and it's uh, dear to my heart because one, one thing that I do in, at our church is, in our Fremont location, our Fremont campus, I'm our high school student pastor, and um, Harold's on vacation this week, and I hope he's having a great time. Um, but I get the privilege. I haven't been up here in a long, for a while. Um, but I heard that it Harold's on vacation, so I decided I would come up here and I would speak. Um, and then uh, Kalahari, though, it's coming up. Um, and if you have don't know what Kalahari is, it's a st- student retreat for grade six to twelve, um, and it is the best thing that we do as a as a, one of the best things we do as a church, and it's the best thing we do as a student ministry. Uh, whatever campus you're at, or whatever campus you go to, it, obviously you're here. So it's the best thing that your student can ha- be a part of. It's the best way to, for them to start the new year. Uh, David Marvin is a guy that I I've kind of I've been able to watch speak for, a, for the last several years, and I'm excited to have him come and lead our students and, and just and getting in God's Word and challenging them, and I know that He's going to do that in an incredible way. And in fact, earlier this week I heard a story of a student that was, when I was an intern actually through our church, I was interning and I there was a young man, at that point in time, it was 7th grade, was going through a ton of stuff through his life. And his parents actually were just going through a divorce, and actually our youth pastor at that point in time challenged him to go to Kalahari. Um, and so he decided he would do that. He would go to Kalahari. And that year, when he was in 7th grade, he gave his life to Christ. Um, and he was telling me this, uh, telling actually us as a church, he was telling this, and he's now 21. Um, and he's pointing back to this moment in his life where he's like, this is, here's this moment where my life changed. And it was when I was in 7th grade when I went to that retreat that you're talking about. Um, and all the time, I, our student ministry, I'm talking to students all the time, every, almost all of them always point to this, whether it was maybe the moment that they decided on Jesus truly in their life, or, or it was a game changer moment where they're going, okay, I'm focusing on Him, I'm pursuing Him, and they get connected with people who are also doing the same thing. And, and it's just an amazing event. Our church, actually, you, we as a church, we get to put this on for 2,000 other students. Uh, there's a guy on our staff in Fremont, uh, as well as myself, Mike and I, we get to take the lead roles in leading this retreat. And then uh, uh, this year, it's actually our first year taking the full like reins of that um, as just us two. But uh, we're leading it, and we're so excited to watch what God does. Because every year, hundreds of students are coming to know Jesus through this event. And so if you have a student from grade 6 to 12, or if you know of some student, maybe this is an opportunity for uh, you've been gifted kind of idea. You can give somebody, this is a great Christmas gift. Even if they're not wanting it, this is a great gift to be able to give to somebody because they're hearing truth. They're going to hear God's Word preaching on a level. They're on their level. And it's going to be amazing. Um, actually, if you want to, if you want forms or anything, Hagen's got some forms. Um, so we're pumped. It's going to be a great weekend.
Man, Christmas. It's come fast, is it not? Yeah, I, Christmas, it, we're in a series. We're starting it this morning. Harold's going to uh, continue uh, through this series in the weeks coming forward. But Christmas, it, we start, Christmas changes everything. But Christmas for me has really changed in the last, especially, year. Um, I got a one-year-old little girl named Jada, and uh, she is now walking, and Christmas for our family is just really weird this year, especially. It's the ornaments on our tree used to be really like nicely and spread out. Now all of our ornaments are moving gradually up because she's grabbing them. Um, but she's all over the house. She's just walking. She's just talking. In fact, the other day, uh, Rachel was um, actually videoing her, and she has this incredible video of Jada. It's like kind of looking at her Christmas presents under the tree, and she actually she's ripped open one kind of, and I've repatched it. Um, but she's just like all over that stuff, and I'm excited for this year because it it's all about really like her now, just as a one year old. She's. I'm watching her. Last year, it didn't really count. She just didn't do anything. This year, it's like now I'm. I'm watching her. She's getting to experience it. I'm getting to watch her. Just like oh, there's a tree and lights, and we have this breezeway. And we have this smaller tree out in our breezeway, and she just goes up to this window that this tree's there, and she looks at this tree, and I'm like, this is just weird, but because I never look at Christmas like a one-year-old does, but they're just experiencing it for the first time. And it's just fun to watch. Uh, and so our family, for us, it's changing. Um, all the gifts, we're just, we want to buy gifts for her. We don't really care to buy gifts for each other. It's just fun. It's a fun time of life right now. Um, but as Christmas has changed for our family, we're not talking about that this morning, how Christmas has changed. We're talking about how Christmas changes everything for us. And there's a passage in John 1, and I actually taught through this a little bit ago in my, our high school student ministry, and it's, I, I love this passage. And it starts in verse 1 saying this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through Him, and apart from Him nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and cannot comprehend it. John, in this very, right away, he's just writing this Gospel and he wants one thing to be clear, who Jesus is. He says from the very beginning, he's saying, in the beginning was the Word. So who's the Word? John is saying, the Word is Jesus. So he's saying ultimately here in the beginning was the Word, was Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was with God. Talking about how Jesus had face-to-face interaction, face-to-face relationship with the Father. And not just was the Word with God, but the Word was God. Not only does the Word, is He with God, but at the same time the Word is God. In short, God and the Word are one. I recently, uh, about maybe a few weeks ago, had two Jehovah's Witnesses come to my front door. And we started having this conversation um, about, uh, they asked me a little question right off the bat, and asked if I believe. 
And so we started having this conversation on my front porch. And it ended up being uh, where they start thinking, I believe the same as them. And they start saying, hey, we, we, are, we believe in the same God. We believe uh, we're, we're both Christians. And, and then I, I turn and I say, well, actually, we, we, we don't believe in the same God. We don't believe the same thing. In fact, if we looked at John 1, and I, and I asked them, let's talk about John 1. And then we started going through, what does it say here? Who is Jesus here in the very first verse of John 1? 1, 1? John saying, Jesus is God. And I pointed out to him really quickly, I was like, that's not who you say Jesus is. All the time, working with student ministry, working with students, all the time, working with just people, all the time I hear, that's the biggest thing, right? Like, if, if people all the time are asking who Jesus is, I, I always point out to our students, your history teachers, they, they don't question, did Jesus live? Everybody points out that Jesus lived. Muslims believe that Jesus lived. Well, everybody comes out is right here in John 1. 1. They're, they're, people don't want to say Jesus is God. Because if Jesus is God, there's ramifications for your and my life. I like how John just starts out and he's just so blunt with it. He's just in the beginning was Jesus. He's in the beginning. He's, 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 he's the author. He's the creator of all things. He goes on in verse 3, all things came into being through Him and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. He's the creator, not the creation. God, Jesus is the author and the creator. He gives physical life. But not just physical life, He gives spiritual life. Right? Like in verse 4, in Him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness and not, cannot comprehend it. Darkness cannot comprehend it. Light shines in the darkness. We know it's spiritual, not just physical life giving, but it's spiritual life because the light shines in the darkness. Later on in verse 18, we know that it's, it's not on the screen, but we know that in verse 18, it says that no one has ever seen God at any time. Jesus is all that God is. That's very, in the very beginning of this chapter, he's, John's going, hey, all that God is, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God, as Colossians would say. But we know also in Hebrews 1.3, it says, and He is the radiance of His glory and exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. God's not, Jesus is not just a, like a glimmer. He's not just some man He's not just a good teacher. Jesus, John is being clear. Jesus is God. And as Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is saying, He's the exact representation of God. His exact nature. You want to know what God is like. Look at Jesus and how He lived. 
all God's power, His majesty, His glory, His holiness, His justice, His love. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is God. I sat back and I was thinking about when I was in college earlier this week, preparing a little bit for this message. And I, I, had, I went to school in Georgia, um, and, and there was a mountain about 30 minutes from my school called Mount Curry, and it was like a 30-minute drive up this mountain. And then you had a kind of came to a stop, and you had to walk to like this cliff. And on the cliff, you can see like three different states. You could see Georgia. You could see a little bit of Tennessee. Actually, I think it was four. You could see Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, and South Carolina all at the same time. And so it was just this cool place where you're higher than anything else around us, and you were just looking out at all of this land, really. And I remember going up there quite often when I was in college just to kind of have this alone time with God. And it was one of those places that I sat back and I was just always amazed by God. It's like when I've gone out to the Rockies or the Grand Canyon. Like, you can't go to those, like, see the Grand Canyon and not go, wow, right? Like, it's, it's pretty amazing. I, I can't go to the Rockies and think, wow, this is like, God created this. I, I can't see this and not think well, there's a God that orchestrated all of this, that created, designed all of this. What I love about this passage is it's going, Jesus is God. All that God is. Like the Eli Hebrews, He's the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the Word of His power. This is who Jesus is. Jesus is, is God. And then, look at this contrast. Don't miss it. Like in verse 14, where it goes, it says, and the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we saw His glory. Glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. So Jesus, the Jesus being God, Jesus became flesh. Like, I... I how many times I've read this passage, read that verse, and it, it, it doesn't, I, doesn't mean anything to me. But when you really think about the Word became flesh, and you think about who John just said, hey, Jesus is God. All that God is, this is who Jesus is. All of His nature, His power, His majesty, His glory. That's who Jesus is. John's like, don't miss it that Jesus being God became flesh. Why does John say, use the word flesh, not human, not man? Why does he have to say flesh? It's because when you use the word flesh, it's fragile, right? Like, it's weird. It brings, you get tired, right? You have pain. You have misery. There's death. Flesh is weak. Paper cut. <laughs> that little sliver hurts. 
Our flesh is weak. So John, he's going, here's Jesus, the Almighty God who becomes flesh. And when it says become, that verb became flesh. It doesn't mean He stopped being what He was. It doesn't mean He stopped being God. The Word becomes flesh, but remains the Word. He remains fully God. And that's the mystery, right? That's how in the world, it, it, the God of heaven who created all things, who created the Grand Canyon, who, who created the, the, the Rocky Mountains, who created Mount Curry, when I can look out and see four different states at the same time. That God who loves, who, who created you and me, Became flesh. The God of heaven and all He is, divine power in His nature. The God who has no impossibilities became weak. Became flesh became weak like His creation. So God takes on flesh. And then the second little part in that verse 14, it says, and He dwelt among us. God took on flesh, became flesh, so He could be close to you and to me. So He could dwell with us. I think uh, a lot, all the time again as stu- leading students and just hearing in, a, in our churches all the time and talking to people all the time, people feel like God is distant, right? Like God's not near. God doesn't care about what I'm going through, my, my hurt, the pain, the, the whatever I'm going through. God doesn't care. Like God is this unfamiliar God that has no desire to know me. Like that's how people believe. That's how what people walk around uh, believe. But God became flesh to be close to us, to dwell with us. And the word there, dwell, literally, literally means to to put up a tent. And so, other places in Scripture, what we can see is that when it says put dwelling, the dwelling place of God or where God is dwelling, if you put up a tent, it, it, or right here from other places of Scripture, it says that God wants to have residence with us. He wants to be close with us. So when it says Jesus, God revealed Himself in Jesus. In, here in this verse, it, it's like if you thought through all the different times through Scripture, how God was trying to reveal Himself to us. Look at the very beginning of like Genesis 1, 26 and 27 when He created people. What is the point of Him creating us? Romans, Genesis 1, 26 says that He created you in His image to be reflections of Him. It be reflections of His love, His mercy, His justice. Him. 
That was the design of people. We have a purpose. We have a reason that we are here. And it's to know God and reflect Him. And then you think through it. And obviously sin has messed up that reflection. has broken that reflection. But God doesn't just try to reveal Himself through us. God's revealed Himself like Romans 1.20 says. Through nature. Through creation. That you can look at things and see what God is like through creation. Or like in the Old Testament where God reveals Himself through the law. Here's what God is like. But God wants to not just be known and seen through those things. God wants to be seen and known through Jesus He's seen because He puts on flesh. He takes on, becomes flesh. Known because He's dwelling with us. Just like when Israel, God dwelt with Israel in the tabernacle. As they walked through the wilderness. And, or God revealed Himself through the law of Moses. When it says dwell, this place is huge to how we should think of who God is and how how we should approach God. If if you put up a privacy fence, right? Like I actually this over the summer I put up a little corner. We have a we added out of our breezeway another door so we could have a little patio outside my house and we added a little privacy fence. Why would we ever put up a privacy fence? It's just to give us a little, it was a little tiny section. It's not even a full fence around our house. It's just a privacy fence. Just to give us a little corner of our house that we could go and feel like outside that's a little bit private. Nobody's watching. Nobody's looking at us, right? But a privacy fence, it tells one really one thing. You, you want privacy. If you go put up a tent in somebody's backyard... <laughs> That's weird. Don't do it. Actually, I did have a neighbor who he did put up a tent slightly on my yard and slightly on his yard. It was uh, my neighbor's son. He actually takes it. He was outside all summer long and puts up this tent. And he stayed there. And he would have little get-togethers at 3 a.m. with people when you're going, what is this guy doing? But I, you had to kind of like avoid even mowing around his tent. It was kind of obnoxious. But it was this guy has this tent, and we would have all these interactions with each other. Like, hey, he's burning another. He's got something burning over there. I don't, I don't know where he ate and what he, what he did. He just was always there. Had a little extension cord running out to his tent, and there was a fan there. It was weird. When it says God put up a tent, He came to dwell with us. He put up a tent in His creation. It means God didn't put up a privacy fence and says, hey, not all are welcomed. Only some are welcomed. Only a few are welcomed. Only when I want someone are they welcomed. He's saying it's a tent in the backyard of creation. Anybody's welcome to come. He puts up a tent because He doesn't want boundaries. He doesn't want there to be a reason. You're not coming to Him. It's a tent. 
He's saying, hey, come, right? He wants, it shows that God, He just doesn't want to be seen. He wants to be known. He wants intimacy with us. I like that about this passage. And thinking about Christmas and, and thinking about the story of Christmas and, and thinking about that Jesus came and Jesus being God. Not j- and I don't want to steal any thunder for Harold as he kind of goes through and, and talks about how uh, Christmas has changed everything. But if you just think through the narrative right there of the birth story of Jesus, right? And you think through John and who John is telling us Jesus is. Jesus being God in the exact representation of Him. And He has come to to be seen and known to dwell with us. That's just... what It blows my mind, if I'm honest. If I'm truly honest, thinking that the God of heaven would go to that drastic of measures to know me? And the passage goes on. Right? In verse 14, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But, dwelt among us and we see His glory. Glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. We, we get to see exactly, we get to see God's glory by looking to Jesus. We get to see what God is like by looking to Him. And He's full of grace and He's full of truth. You think about all the people that you run into on a weekly basis or on even a daily basis. Get on social media. For goodness sakes. And how many people feel are so lost, right? And even whether they know it or not, they are searching for truth. And they might be searching for truth for all, in all the wrong areas, in all the wrong ways. But what is God, what is God offering them this Christmas? He's offering them grace and He's offering them truth. Grace, something we don't deserve, right? God's grace, we definitely do not deserve it. And it's truth. It's the truth that we are all searching for. But this grace is something that we have to receive, right? Like John earlier, just two verses earlier, John 1.12 says, but as many received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name. Maybe you're this morning here and you've, you've never trusted in Jesus. You've never received Him. This passage is right in verse 12 is saying if you, once you receive Him, you become a children of God. Not everyone is a child of God. It's only that right, that term, that phrase, being called a child, is only given to those who receive Jesus and who He is for all He is and for what He has done for us. 
But if you're here this morning, you never have received Him. You never have trusted in Jesus and what Jesus has done for you and for me. Why He came in the first place. What I hope this year, what I hope this Christmas, is that you would continue coming to Grace Point. Continue to hearing, wow, Pastor Harold is going to continue in the storyline of how Christmas has changed everything. I hope that you would decide this Christmas that you would put your faith and trust in the God of heaven who came to know you. To become weak. To be able to go to the cross and die for you. Die, pay our penalty. Pay the debt that we deserve. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. A few chapters later, in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. Why did Jesus have to come? He came to pay the penalty that you and I deserve. The passage right there in Romans 6.23 continues. He says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal through Jesus. The free gift. As you receive and give gifts this Christmas, and you receive a gift, you did nothing to deserve it. You didn't buy it. You received this free gift to you to show how much someone loves and cares about you. Right? The God of Heaven is offering you a free gift. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. In fact, we don't deserve it. But Jesus came and died on the cross paying our debt, paying our penalty, offering us grace. That's the gift. Offering us forgiveness. Offering us new life when we come and receive that gift. And through that new life, we're giving eternal life. And in the passage, it lay goes on in John in verse 16 he says once you receive it you're not just like in verse 12 you receive it and you become called a child of God but in verse 16 it says if you receive it full for all of his fullness in verse 16 for all of his fullness we have all received and it's grace upon grace his grace when we receive his his love and what he has done for us when we recognize what he's done for us it is grace upon grace it's grace extended to us it's like a layer it's a never ending fountain or like Romans 5:20 where sin increased grace abounded all the more for all who are Christians in this room and we've experienced God's grace. We know how good it is, right? We know how good it is and how undeserving we are of His grace. We understand that through His grace comes joy, comes peace, comes hope. We understand in that that Christmas truly changes everything. I kind of want to 
just extend and just invite you to be doing this Christmas is think about not just who you're going to gift, but if you think of who you're also going to invite. Because if you truly believe that Jesus, when He came, it means that everything changed. And if you truly believe that, and you're looking at our world, and you're seeing the lostness in our world, you should be pursuing other people, wanting them to experience the same grace that we have experienced. Wanting them to see how God, the God of heaven, became weak to die for us. And Christmas truly changes everything. I look at our, my students that I have in our student ministry, I just see a ton of students who are lost. And it breaks my heart. Especially I've gotten to know and do life with them. It's not just that. It's people I love and care about. People I, I really do life with who are missing the greatest treasure in this world of knowing the God of heaven. And knowing how much He cares about us. And knowing that I don't have to do life ever alone. Don't miss out on being an impact the people around you this Christmas. By just taking understanding and hearing the same message every single year and just going, oh, this is a great message of how Jesus came and was born in a manger. No, that message is the God of heaven came in this unlikely way, right? Christmas truly changes everything because God came. So extend that. Extend the grace that you've been able to experience. Extend that to someone else. Show them what God is like. Because that's what you're called to do in the beginning of Genesis 1.26. He's saying, yea, be the, the images of God. Reflect Him. But here, you got a great church. And Grace Point. Pastor Harold is going to be net back next week continuing on in this series. you got a great opportunity for people to come and hear truth. Not just truth, but grace, right? So be trying to think of who you're going to invite to come back and join us for Christmas at, uh, this Christmas at Grace Point. And what we're going to do is I'm going to pray and then Caleb's going to close us in, uh, in one last song just celebrating just celebrating Christmas for all tomorrow.